Amen, amen. We're just so thankful. I just want to acknowledge those of you that have taken the time from your time to be a part of our uh, virtual audience, um, those that interact with um, the the ministry that we do here um, virtually. Please, please, this we're in the middle of some, of some great content, some great information, some revelations that we'll have. If you were not a part of our ministry last week, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to go back uh, to our YouTube channel and listen to those things that we shared about the New Jerusalem and how critical it is and how you, uh, if you made Jesus Christ to Lord, your Lord, that you are born from above and that your name is written, that you are on the citizenship rolls of heaven. And that's a big thing, right? That's a big, big thing. And um, there's a lot riding on that. It's more than just streets of gold, not paved with gold, because it's not just a pavement. They're gold through and through. And it's not just about mansions. Um, So there's things there that I want to make sure that you have and um, and really understand. Today we're going to take a turn, um, but it's a timely turn um, where we'll kind of see it from the negative side um, so that we understand the enemy and how he wants to do the things he wants to do. But we spend enough time up front doing the things about the Christ because we never ever want to make the enemy of God bigger than God. And so we did that stuff first, but we believe that you're going to be blessed by this. Please um, like and share and do all of those things. We'll talk to you some about that at the end, making sure that you are connected with every um, piece of social media that we have. Please do so. Let us know that you're there. Comment. We read the comments. We go back and look at all of that. So please take the time to do that just so that we know that you're being blessed by the ministry. Amen. All right, so uh, back to the future revelation on end time events. We have given you um, these seven objectives, and they remain our objectives for the series. We said first is to provide perspective into God's prophetic scriptures, two, to illuminate end time events in a way that is consistent with all other texts of the Holy Scripture, full of hope, faith, and love. Three, to acknowledge that God is both full of grace and mercy and also of judgment and vengeance, that there are warming scriptures, but also warning scriptures. Some people believe that those warning scriptures don't exist. I just don't understand how they can get that out of the same Bible I read. Number four, to highlight patterns, principles, and personality profiles that appear repetitively in scripture, enabling us to look backward but see forward. And that, we said, is the secret sauce about how we teach these end-time events. Five, to develop a prophetic viewpoint that informs our view on global events, but is not unduly influenced such that we try to conform biblical prophecy to current events, resulting in speculation, not spiritual expectation. Six, to motivate you to be about your father's business to an understanding of God's prophetic time clock. The most exciting part of the game is in the final seconds. And then seven, and finally, to give you comfort, confidence, and hope that God has a plan for your deliverance from darkness as he ushers in a new age, all right? So we talked some about that, and then um, we we gave you these eight um, critical perspective on end-time events. We just completed number five, 
And we're working our way all the way through um, number eight. And so we'll start on number six today. But let's look at the, the list there um, through six, and then we'll, we'll jump into six. We said that these, there are eight critical perspectives on end time events. Number one, we said, is what we call the preeminence principle. That in everything, Jesus Christ must have the preeminence. Jesus is the subject. And so even if it's a study on end time events, if we make the Antichrist bigger than the Christ, we did something wrong. Two, um, the second point on our list is that all scripture form a single book written by a heavenly author, right? It is 66 connected books, not 65 plus one appendix we aren't supposed to read or understand. And that's an important point. All right. So one of the things we do when we teach it is we tie it to things that you already know to be true from Scripture. Number three, prophetic Scripture gives us a sense of time, timing and the times so that we can be in tune with the will of God in our generation, not drunk and disorderly like the world. Then number four, we said there is a principle of prophetic pattern repetition that occurs in Scripture. Often biblical scholars find one instance a prophetic fulfillment and lock onto it as if it was the only one, right? And that's a big deal for us. Five, there is a pattern of prophetic types and shadows that foreshadowed the first coming of Christ. This is also true of his second coming, right? That's a big, big deal about what we did, um, the way we have taught on end time events, that there is this first and the second coming of the Lord. And then number six, this is our new content for today and where we'll be. We might take one lesson, but it might take more than one. That's going to take more than one. Y'all know me. Uh, <laughs> Satan has always wanted to assume the place of God, whether in heaven and on earth throughout history, that will not change. All right. Now, um, just to summarize our statement from last time, we talked about the fact that um, that there were these five types of Christ. Uh, why don't you show that list, uh, media, on um, the five types of Christ we showed you, and we went through those last, we concluded those last week, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about the fact that Jesus is the last Adam. He is our priest after order of Melchizedek. He is the seed of Abraham. He's the prophet like Moses. And he is the king that sits on the throne of David. We dealt specifically with two, three, and five last week. We dealt with the fact that um, Melchizedek was a king over the city of Jerusalem, but then David was a king over the same city. Melchizedek was a priest king. Um, and so we dealt with that one uh, pretty, pretty extensively. We also dealt with the fact uh, we talked about how there was this, the, in, the interaction between the king of Salem and the king of Sodom. Abraham had these two kings come to him. One represented the Christ. The other one, we say, represents the Antichrist. And how uh, then David, how, how Abraham had to make a choice, right? And we explained and showed how there are times and that there are ways in which it's clear from Scripture that um, there are financial, it was clear that 
Abraham had to choose to enter a financial deal, financial deal with Melchizedek or with the king of Sodom, he entered the deal with Melchizedek through tithing and avoided a deal with the devil financially, right? We spent some time talking about that. And then we talked about the fact that um, just like David was king over Jerusalem and it mattered that your citizenship was there, that we are citizens of the new Jerusalem. Now look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. This is just a closeout scripture from last week before we go on into our, our new information. All right? And, and um, Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, For our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? Our citizenship is in heaven, and we are waiting for our King to come, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. All right, that's, that's pretty clear. Pastor David, why do you spend some time with that? Because if, if you were um, took all the notes that we had last week, then you have a clear revelation on the fact that your citizenship is from heaven. Right? What does that mean? Okay, what does it mean? That you, you have dual citizenship. You might be a citizen of this nation, but the, the ultimate citizenship that you count on is the citizenship from heaven, all right? And um, when your king comes, right, he's going to give you a body just like his, all right? That's, that's what that says. We eagerly await his appearing. So if somebody tell me he's not coming, then I'm going to either trust you or the, or the book. And I've decided I'm trusting the book. Abraham in Hebrews 11, um, it says that Abraham looked for a city who, with, with found, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Right? And then at the, at the tail end of that scripture, it says that God has prepared for them a city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, you have insight on that one. And again, as I said before, please, please take the time it takes to listen to that, um, that revelation we got about the New Jerusalem. Now, our statement today was number six on our list. Satan has always wanted to assume the place of God, whether it is in heaven and on earth, right, throughout history. That will not change. Satan has always wanted to be. I remember uh, Spike Lee had a movie, and he said there were wannabes, right? There were wannabes. And Satan has always been a wannabe for God, all right? Now, um, go back to my list on the five major types of Christ. So we said that there are these five major 
types of Christ, that he is the last Adam, the priest after the Melchizedek, he's the seed of Abraham, the prophet like Moses, and the king that sits on the throne of David, right? Those are five major types of Christ. Now go on to my next, my next one. If there are five types of Christ, then there also are five types of the, of the church, right? If Adam is a type of Christ, then Eve is a type of the church. That makes sense, right? If Melchizedek is a type of Christ, then Abraham is a type of the church. Now, Abraham is such a central figure. Abraham is such a central figure that there are multiple types of, of God and Christ in Abraham, right? There's, there's Abraham dealing with Melchizedek, but then there's Abraham dealing with Isaac, just like Abraham offered Isaac and Isaac was raised up. So God, the father offered up Jesus. All right. So Abraham is that kind of, he's that central figure. So there's more than one type in him. All right, go back to the list. So Abraham um, is a type of the church. Now, if Abraham is a type of Christ, in that instance, Sarah is a type of the church. Now that's going to become very important, but there's multiple ones in there. You could say the same thing for Isaac and Rebecca, couldn't you? Right? If Isaac was the one who was offered up and then raised up after he was raised up, that's when he married Rebecca. Just like Jesus was raised up and then he became the head of the church. All right? If Moses is a type of Christ, then the children of Israel are a type of the church. Not not just the children of Israel at any point in time, the children of Israel when Moses was ministering. In fact, if you read in the book of Acts, when it talks about Stephen is given um, his, his sermon before he was stoned, he talked about Moses and the church that was in the wilderness. He called it a church, right? Now look at the last one there. If David is a type of church, then the nation of Israel, not the nation at any point in time, but the nation of Israel when David is king is a type of the church. Now let's go on to the next one. Let's talk about the Antichrist now. If Adam is a type of Christ, remember I said there's always this thing where there is this other force that tries to oppose what is Christ. Whatever opposes Christ by definition, is anti-Christ. So if Adam is a type of Christ, then the serpent is a type of the Antichrist. That makes sense, doesn't it? Okay. If Melchizedek is a type of Christ, a king on Salem, king of Salem, king of Jerusalem, then the king of Sodom, the king of the city that's about to be burnt up, Right? is a type of the Antichrist. All right. So the sin that was the dominant sin in the city of Sodom clearly is Antichrist, isn't it? Even if people want to bring it in churches and say all love is love and all of that. The Bible was very clear about this. Now, you may be confused, but God is not. Okay. Right. Now, go, go back to our list. So, so King of Sodom in that situation is a type of the Antichrist. If Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a type of the Christ, then talk about Abimelech's Pharaoh. Abimelech and Pharaoh, both of them 
Okay, both of them tried to um, steal. Both of those two tried to steal Sarah from Abraham. Right? Both of them tried to take Abraham away. Okay? And so what we have to be, be sensitive to this thing that, like, just Sarah was there. The Pharaoh says she's a... She's the the most beautiful woman around. I'm taking her away from Abraham, right? The king, Abimelech, king of Gerar, God spoke to him in a dream saying, you're trying to take away my prophet's wife. I'm I'm, I'm killing you and all your people. All right. Why? Because there is a spirit of antichrist that always tries to, to usurp the relationship of Christ and the church. Abraham, uh, excuse me, the Apostle Paul said, just like the serpent deceived Eve, I'm, I want you to be careful so that your mind isn't corrupted against the gospel, the gospel of Christ. So there was always, he was always saying this thing, there's always this thing where Christ is doing something, the church is there, and there's a relationship between Christ and the church, but the Antichrist is always trying to do something to interrupt what God is doing. All right, go back to the list. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then Abimelech, Pharaoh, those are the ones that tried to take um, Sarah. Ishmael opposed Isaac, right? He persecuted his younger brother, right? And then Jacob and Esau, and I'm going to talk some about Jacob and Esau today so that you understand that one, all right? Number four, if Moses is a type of Christ, then Pharaoh is is a type of the Antichrist, Pharaoh was considered God on the earth. Pharaoh was considered a God. He wanted to be worshipped like a God. All right? Um, And there were certain things that Pharaoh did that were antichrist. Pharaoh introduced partial birth, birth abortion. He said... If you're, if midwives, if you're bringing a baby out and it's a boy, that means you got to pull him all the way out till he's halfway born, then you kill him. Partially born, abort him. Okay? So there are certain things that I can look at by those types and say that's Antichrist. Got it? All right. And last one that's there on the list. If David is a type of Christ, then Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is a type of the Antichrist. Now, that's a big one. That's a huge one. I can't unpack everything that we can know about Nebuchadnezzar today, but in each one of those types of the Antichrist, just like we could look at the types of Christ and know something about the present-day ministry of Jesus, we can also look at the types of the Antichrist and then know something about the present-day about the present-day influence of the Antichrist. Got it? All right. So last week we talked about Isaac and Ishmael as a type of Christ, anti-type of type of the interaction between the Christ and the Antichrist. So just like Ishmael persecuted. Isaac, and then 
And then Sarah said, cast out the bondwoman and her son. Right? Because this son is not going to inherit with the free woman's son. Then there's also a Jacob Esau one. Let's look at that. Romans chapter 9, 6 through 13. We're trying to get some insight from Scripture about the Antichrist and how it, it um, how his ministry. I, I use ministry um, in quotes. It's not like he ministers the way that we think of ministry, but there is false prophets do false prophesy, right? God gives us signs and wonders, but the devil has lying signs and lying wonders. Moses stood and Aaron stood before Pharaoh with signs and wonders. The scripture says, Jannies and Jambres, who was um, Pharaoh's magician, said, man, we can make snakes too. All right? And so there's these interactions, okay? Um, Romans 9, 6 through 13. But it is not the word, is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. So the scripture here tells me that while Isaac has the seed of Isaac and Jacob and the natural nation of Israel has, has certain covenant privileges, those privileges do not come to the seed of Ishmael, right? I know there's Muslims that say it different, but either I'm going to be, believe the Bible, I'm going to believe them, right? In Isaac shall your seed be called, not just because you and Abraham's seed, all right? Now, um, verse 8, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed, for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls, it was said to her, to Rebekah, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Man, that's that's strong word there, isn't it? If it wasn't in your Bible that it was God speaking, you might say, I don't know if God said that, but it's in your Bible, so I'm gonna, I can't I can't change the words that God put in there. Now, what was it about the election that God saw? God saw in advance how the descendants of Esau would pursue or persecute the descendants of Israel. He saw in advance what was coming. What is prophecy? Prophecy is God calling his shot in advance. So he saw what the devil was going to do, and he hated that. It, it, you should, it is interesting to note it is interesting to note that um, Herod, Herod, the Herod that sat on the throne of Jerusalem when Jesus was born, that Herod was an Idumean, an Edomite from Esau. Wow. See, now the plot thickens. Okay. 
So just like there was a Christ, the interesting thing is, is that that Herod, while the Christ was being born in Bethlehem, a type of the Antichrist was sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. You got that? That's really important. Not only was he a king, but he was a king in Jerusalem. And then the wise men came from the east and said, man, you just an imposter. You just you just playing. There's a real king born and you not him. <laughs> and then he demanded, demanded, demanded them to go to the prophetic scriptures and tell him where the Christ would be born. And he they told him definitively that the Christ is being born in Jerusalem, excuse me, in Bethlehem. Right. All right. So this gives you something that even the first coming of Christ had an antichrist resistance. And notice what was the action of the antichrist? I'm going to kill the babies. I'm going to kill the babies. That's what that's what Herod did. Right. Trying to trying to snuff out the Christ. He killed the babies. All right. So there are some things I'm, I'm because next Tuesday, y'all going to vote. I got to tell you some things. Next Tuesday, y'all going to vote. So I'm going to tell you some things here. OK, there are some things that are antichrist. Right. Now, I ain't telling you to go red or blue. That's your business. What I got, what my job is to tell you what's Christ or antichrist. That's what I get paid to do. All right. So um, the first coming of Christ had an antichrist resistance. He was sitting on the throne as a king of Jerusalem for which Jesus was the rightful heir. He was sitting on a throne in Jerusalem. Jesus was the rightful heir to that throne. In fact, when Gabriel came to Mary, he said, God is going to give your baby the, the throne of his father, David. Those were Gabriel's words. But there was an antichrist who was an imposter. All right, there's some good stuff. All right. Now, let's talk, let's, let's talk about the antichrist. What does the scripture tell us about the antichrist? Antichrist. Let's look at 1 John. We're going to read chapter 2. We're going to read verse 18. Then we're going to read 20 through 23. All right. Little children, it is the last hour. All right. So that means the last days have been going on since, since the time John wrote the Bible. In fact, if I read Hebrews chapter 1, the last days began when Jesus got on the planet. Because Hebrews 1 and 1 tells me, God spoke in times past by the prophet. In the last days, he has spoken unto us by his son. But clearly, since the time of Jesus, we've been in the time of last things. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, that is true. Even now, many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Right now, I could just say the antichrist came since the serpent, couldn't 
right? Um, now look at verse 20. But you have an, un- an unction, an anointing, I'm sorry. In my head, I'm saying King James, but I'm reading New King James, okay? <laughs> you know how you learn scriptures in one version and then you start to read it in another. You have an anointing. The anointing is Christ. There's an anti-anointing, anti-Christ. Christ is Messiah anointed one. So he says you have a, a, an anointing. You are the body of Christ. You have the Christ on you from the Holy One, and you know all things. Verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know the truth and that no lie is of the truth. So fake news is of the Antichrist. But that's some good preaching right there. That's some good preaching right there. I said that's some good preaching right there. Okay, turn, turn on the thing. They wrote, they wrote in the Bible, in the Bible that you read, that when Jesus was raised from the dead, that, that, um, that they paid sums of money to the media to publish the fact that his disciples caused him to be raised from the dead. Fake news. Fake news is antichrist, isn't it? All right, that's, that's free. Now, verse 22, who is a liar? Who is a liar? That, that's what the Bible calls Antichrist. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So if I have a religion, if I have a religion and I say, I'm Jehovah's witness, but I don't believe the witness of Jehovah that Jehovah had when he witnessed about his son. The Bible calls that antichrist. I don't know how else to say that. I don't know how else to say that. It's an antichrist that does not denies the son. If you say that Jesus was a prophet like Muhammad was a prophet, then you are antichrist because you have denied the son. Then you don't have the father. So I can't say Allah and Jehovah are the same dude. It's an antichrist that denies the father and the son. All right. Look at 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 2 and 3. And it says, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. All right. So this the scriptures is very clear that before a person of Antichrist appears, the spirit of Antichrist was already here, right? Now, that makes sense because we read, we read before in 1 Peter that before Jesus Christ came into the world, that the spirit of Christ came before Jesus Christ came. The spirit of Christ came on Abraham, on, on, um, 
on Isaiah and he said, Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah saw him in advance, God calling his shot. And he said, that's going to come. But the spirit of Christ came on him and told him that. And he understood that what he was seeing was not something he was going to get the benefit of it. He knew when he was writing those words that he was writing them for you and me who would be on the other side of the resurrection. And Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. He said, he saw my day. He said, he saw the day and he was glad to know that I was coming. All right. And so what we're saying is just like the spirit of Christ came before Christ, the spirit of Antichrist comes before the Antichrist actually appears. All righty. Now, let's look at um, 2 John chapter 1, verse 7. Right? This pretty much says what the other one said, but just for completeness, we want to get all of these scriptures in. And it says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. All right. So there may be a antichrist, but there is still the antichrist that is coming. And what did your pastor say? Sometimes people take one instance and make it as if it's the only one. Right? So people read Jesus, you know, the prophecies that was made about, that Jesus said about the, you know, the desecration of the temple. And then they talk about Antiochus Epiphanes, who, who, who went into the Jewish temple and slayed a pig on the altar. That's an unclean animal. On a, in the holy altar, he did it, he purposely did it to desecrate the temple. Right? It would be as if Satan worshipers came up in here in the middle of the night and put a bunch of satanic symbols in here. They would be doing it on purpose to take something that we've separated to God, and then they want to purposely desecrate it. And, and they do that kind of stuff on, on tomorrow. All right. All right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Get, get, you can do all your tricks and your treats if you want to. I'm just saying that we got to be careful that the body of Christ doesn't align with the Antichrist instead of the Christ. Right. We get stuff because that's always been the devil's strategy. He was trying to pull the serpent. The serpent was trying to get Eve off. Now, you can trunk or treat it if you want to. I'm mad at nobody. <laughs> I'm mad at nobody. I'm just I'm just telling you some things that we let go are anti-Christ. And then we're bringing them into the house of God and Listen, the devil don't mind sharing with you. He's always trying to slip his stuff up in there with God's stuff. He's always, that's always been his strategy. 
He's always, do you understand what I'm saying? That's why we have to be sensitive and say, God, what are you telling me? Because just because every church do it, don't make it. Okay, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep that moving. All right. Um, now, if you take, take the time on your own time, it's just one chapter to read the book of Jude. Whenever end times were, were talked about in scripture, there is always given notice to be on watch for false teachers and deceivers. Right? Satan is always trying to enter, interrupt what God is doing with something false. So I have to be, as your pastor, like, I am very careful. People say, man, I got a word for your church. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. If I'm going to stand before Jesus and give an account, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> you know, and I will go see you at your church and hear what you got to say, but I ain't taking the rest of y'all until I kind of figure out if I know the food is good. You ever been someplace? No, you can't eat here. You got to wait till you get home to eat. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how sanitary it is. I don't know. I don't know. We ain't eating here. We're going to wait till you get home. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Now, spiritually, that's still the truth. I'm responsible to make sure, you know, so I, I take that real personal. Are you saying you're the only one? Nope. I'm saying I'm the one responsible here. I'm not saying I got all the revelation. I'm not even saying there ain't other people. I believe there's a lot of people doing right. But for this pulpit, I'm responsible. I'm not responsible for the mother ones. Whatever they pastors let roll, they have to let roll. But here, I'm responsible. All right? And so just be okay if your pastor moves slower than what you think is okay. I'm just saying, okay, because <laughs> I want to, I want to, I just want to hear God say, well done, you know, because, because it's hard, um, it's hard to put cracked eggs back in the shell. Once you let the eggs get scrambled, it's hard to put them back in the shell. So if you let stuff get out, it's going to be hard to pull it back in. All right. So that's why we want to be very clear when 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 God is telling us in the relationships and man, people, some people, hey, send me letters. Okay, I say you doing something wrong. I'm just saying I'm responsible until God tell me something. I have to watch it. Okay. Hallelujah. Now, Satan has always wanted to assume the position of God. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. We're going to read verse 4. What I told you is, is that one of the types of the Antichrist was Nebuchadnezzar. Just like David was king in Jerusalem, and that's a type of the Christ, Nebuchadnezzar um, in his rule over Babylon is a type of the Antichrist ruling over mystery Babylon. All right? Now, let's see the statements here. Now, some people say he's just talking about the king. He's talking about a natural man when he talks about Lucifer. And all of that's true. But there is a principle in scripture of devil reference. There are times when God's talking to a person and then he's talking to the spirit behind the person. 
Who do men say I am? Peter, who do you say? You're the Christ, the Son of God. Flesh and blood didn't give that to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Now, I'm going to die on a cross. Peter said, God forbid. He said, Satan, get behind me. That one person had two spirits talking through him. So there is, in Scripture, I can be talking about a physical person and still be referencing to a spirit behind a person. That's all I'm saying, all right? So look at verse 4, that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon, saying, how has the oppressor, how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. Now look at verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, light-bearing one, son of morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Now it was, let me stop here. I will ascend into heaven. I will ascend into heaven. Babylon was the same place as Babel. I'm going to build a tower up to heaven. Same place. All right. I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Now, we know that mount in heaven is Mount Zion, don't we? On the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now, we know that the natural man, Nebuchadnezzar the king, thought he himself was a god. And he said it. And, and Daniel told him to repent before his kingdom gets taken from him. For how long? The scripture says seven years. And he was like a beast. Right? For seven years, he was like a beast. And then his reason came and they gave him back his throne. Now, he was like a beast away from his throne, but in the end times, the Antichrist will rule as a beast on his throne. But this same spirit that was in this man says, I'm going to be like the most high. Satan has always tried to be like God. And since just like, just like God needs a body to get his will done, done in the earth, Satan needs a body too. Look at verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, which is hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. Okay. So here we have this principle of double reference, speaking to a physical man, but to a spirit behind him. Because, because that physical man will never climb high enough to sit on the throne of God. But that's something that Satan has decided to do. Um. All right, so anytime we see something or somewhere where Satan is trying to exalt himself above God, that by definition is the Antichrist. And the Antichrist not only opposes Christ, but he tries to influence the body of Christ, right? That's why your pastor came down when I said, hey, you can have a, you can have a funeral in your church, but if, if, if the same altar, you know, you singing, we, you feel like a natural woman in church. That's not talking about the bride of Christ. I'm, I'm mad at nobody. You know, much love to the bishop. All right? But there's things that Satan tries to do. To, like, 
We could have done that at the Charles H. Rice Museum. There's other you could have you could have went to a, the Fox Theater. Why you had to do it in church? So all I'm saying is we have to watch to see what things that Satan is. He's the devil's always going to try to get in here. He got out there. Right. Sin is what sinners do. But he always wants to be in the place of God being worshiped like he is God. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if it, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come, all right? So somebody was putting out fake scripture, a letter like it came from Paul. He said, don't, man, don't let these people get in your head. Fake news been going on for a long time. Why? Because evangelism, by definition, is good news. So if the body of Christ has to publish good news, then the body of the Antichrist must publish fake news. Hallelujah. Yeah. Right? Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come, the day that Christ has come, unless there be a falling away, unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. The man of sin, not just the sin of man, the man of sin, the man who is the embodiment of sin. The word became flesh. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. The sin of man becomes flesh and dwells amongst us as the man of sin. Right? So Satan is trying to get this. He's trying to get the earth ready. Think about how many movies you have seen where humanity fights off an army of aliens. Think about Independence Day. Think about all the movies where there's an alien army and humanity, all of the countries of the world, band together and they're all fighting an army of aliens. Now, why would you have that? Because you're trying to get the world ready to fight Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven behind the Antichrist. He's always trying to get the world ready. These are ideas. Okay? The man of sin, right? The scripture calls him not only the man of sin, it calls him the son of perdition. Perdition is destruction. The son who will take the world to destruction. All right. What's the other part of that? Verse four, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. He's always wanted to be God. So he's always going to try to get into the temple to be worshiped so that 
he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So don't ever think the devil's going to be okay with him having everything out here and not getting in here. He's, he's never going to be ex- happy with just having stuff outside the church. He wants what's inside the church too. All right? Verse 5, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. What restrains the Antichrist? The body of Christ restrains it. All right? The body of Christ is what restrains the Antichrist. That's why my revelation says that the Antichrist can't be revealed until the church is caught away because we are the restraining force. So if we are the restraining force, then you need to get to restraining. If there's a restraining order, somebody has to enforce the restraining order. Right? A judge can write a restraining order that says, you mess with that lady, you can't be within 200 feet. But if somebody don't call you out with the order in their hand, right, to, as Psalm 149 says, to execute the judgments that are written, then then even though it is, there is a restraining order, we're not doing the restraint. You get it? Okay. That was verse what? Six. Verse seven. For the mystery of law, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Once, once the Holy Spirit's ministry in the church is taken out of the way and we're no longer here to restrain, then Satan can bring his his master plan into play. That's why, now some people want to tribulate. If you want to tribulate, that's your business. The scripture tells me that he's going to, he can't be revealed until God takes us out of the way. But while we're here, it's time for us to be salt and light. We are the preserving agent. We're the one that holds back the darkness. If I had a little pin light in this room, it will still push darkness out, won't it? So stop playing with devils that you should be casting out. I know you want to go to your haunted house, but hold it, hold it. Pump your brakes, baby. Pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. Stop playing with devils you should be casting out. Verse 8, after he is taken out of the way, the restraining ones, that's us, and then the lawless one will be revealed. Now, Now, just so we know what's the end of him, the Bible tells you in advance, he's still going to lose. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Right? Satan's not going to win. So stop going to movies, you know, where the vampires, you know, they used to have a thing like the little Christian, he's holding his cross up like this. And then the vampire is coming on. Stop that. The devil's trying to convince people that the Antichrist is bigger than the Christ. 
You know, back in the day, the vampires used to move, um, the zombies used to move slow. They always was dragging one leg. Why couldn't they drag? But it was always dragging one leg. And no matter how slow he was moving, he would still catch the people. I'm like, y'all can just outrun him. But that's not good enough. Now the zombies run. Now the zombies run. Now the- <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? We're at a point now we can't get confused in our head because the world is confused. There are ideas. These ideas come from someplace. Now, I I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, Black Panther, you know, but I I was watching. Okay, y'all starting to worship ancestors now. Right. When you die, you're not going to just go to a place where it's just you and your ancestors. <laughs> you know, but then you see the movie Venom, man. And I think, man, that's that's flat out demon possession. OK, now. All right. I'm just saying, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying you want to take your kids to a movie, but I'm just looking at this stuff. Some of these things are opening us up to ideas. Where do the ideas come from? Right. Where do the ideas come from? Satan, the serpent, got Eve with an idea. He got her with an idea. So we That's why your Bible says, cast down imaginations, every thought, make it obedience to Christ. If you have a thought that's not obedient to the Christ, it must be an antichrist thought. All right. Verse nine, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. There's one that's coming to do work in the power of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Lying wonders and signs. Okay? Do you see it? That scripture is very clear about this kind of stuff. So just because people work miracles don't mean it's God. Jannies and Jambres, Moses put down his rod, it turned into a snake. Jannies and Jambres put down their rods and it turned into a snake. They had signs and wonders. They were really doing miracles. Now, Moses' snake ate up theirs, so the, you on the side that really wins, okay, as long as you on that side. Now, you got a little bit of his stuff in you, he can hit you. I'm just saying. That's why you got to be careful. All right. Verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why did they perish? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Woo. So listen, 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 listen. You want to. Tell me some truth, even if it hurt my feelings. Tell me some truth, even if it hurts. I'd rather love the truth that hurts than to fall in love with a lie that condemns me throughout all eternity. Right? Verse 11. 
for this reason, because they did not receive the love of the truth, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie because they didn't want the truth. You want a lie? He's going to give you one. Verse 12, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So I tell people some stuff just ain't funny. Just because just because you think it's humorous, you, you got to be careful. You know, like I want God laughing with me. If he ain't laughing with me, I got to watch it. All right. We got to be that serious about certain things because we don't want to be drunk and disorderly with the world. We want to. Right. That's the way the, the young people say, stay woke. <laughs> Don't be drunk and disorderly. Stay woke. Don't be some, somebody that gets so caught in things that are, that are fun and funny that we lose stuff that will keep us out of line with Jesus Christ. All right? The Scripture tells us clearly that Satan wants to bring a person called the Antichrist, the son of perdition, or the man of sin. Let's look at it. Revelations 13, 1 through 4, and then we're going to read 11 through 15. All right? Um, but one of the things I want to tell you today is Satan doesn't, he has, he wants to do an antichrist, but there's a third person that he wants to bring to him. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. All right. Um, Revelation 13, one through four. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and on his horns, 10 crowns and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Stop for a second. We're going to spend some time with the symbolism. So don't get the beastly picture like this is some monster something. This is a person. The Bible calls it a man of sin rising up out of the sea. The sea there, there's types and shadows. I'll take the time and break it down. Just know that there is a person. It is a person. The scripture says he's a man of sin. Right now, what do all those things mean? Give me time. I don't have time today to do that. All right but just understand that there is a person coming, all right? And that this person has, um, has authority and that he has blasphemy on him, right? It says he has a blasphemous name. Verse two, now the beast which I saw was, was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like a mouth of a lion. The dragon, the dragon speaks of the devil. That's one of the names of Satan. Right. It's, it's the serpent at the beginning, but the serpent has grown. <laughs> All right. Serpent gave him his power, his throne and great authority. So the dragon is the devil. Right. But now it says that the devil has given him. Power, throne and authority. All right. Um, that was verse two. Verse three says, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his dead wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. The world followed him. That's not supposed to be you and me. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? But hold it, hold it, hold it. Uh, media team, go back to my, to my um, slides when I talk about the Trinity. <clears throat> so, um, you know this, that we serve one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All right, go on to the next one. Satan has always tried to be like God. 
So he has to create him a trinity too. All right? So the dragon is Satan himself. He gives, he has a, he has a Christ-like one, a Messiah-like one, whom everybody worships, who sits on a throne, right? Who has authority, who has a womb that's healed, right? Just like Jesus was died and he raised up from the dead. So that he has to try to mimic like who Jesus is. But just like Jesus has the Holy Spirit who does not speak of himself, but shows us things of Jesus, who testifies of Jesus, who puts all the worship on Jesus, he has to have a false prophet who then puts all the things on the Antichrist. So he's always wanted to be God, so he has to try to create him a trinity too. Look at verse First, uh, Revelation 13, we're going to read 11 through 15. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. That means he didn't come from heaven. He's not from some other place. He's a person. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So he's a false prophet, like a lamb, but speaking like a dragon. Got it? He's the false prophet. So clearly, he has some religious leadership. All right? And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Trying to mimic a resurrection. Just like the Holy Spirit helps all of us worship Jesus, the false prophet has to help, help all of the people who, who follow him worship the Antichrist. Got it? Verse 13, he performs great signs so that even he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, lying signs and wonders. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. All right, all right, all right. So clearly there's some spiritual occultic power here that comes, the scripture says, from the dragon himself. Satan does not delegate this. Satan is giving them power himself. Now that makes sense. Your Bible says, that Satan, when Jesus was in the wilderness, took Jesus up to a place in time and said, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, they are mine and I can give them to whoever I want to. Anybody know I'm in the book? All right. So Satan has always wanted to have someone who he gave all his power to. All right. Now, this is this is the reason we know that Nebuchadnezzar is a type of the Antichrist, because he is the one who set up an image, a golden image, and said, either you bow down and worship my image or I'm throwing you into the fiery furnace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we know that Nebuchadnezzar is a type of the Antichrist, don't we? Okay, 
the person in the Old Testament who understood more about the Antichrist than anybody else was was Daniel. Why? Because Daniel was in the face of the person who is the Antichrist incarnate. So God gave Daniel all of this revelation about him because he's looking at the person. God said he's going to be just like this dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying Daniel understood, right? And the Antichrist comes with laws because if you, you can't pray to anybody else and if you pray to some other person besides the king, we throw you into the lion's den. Okay, so we have these things. That's why we got to be careful. Listen, listen, watch. Don't just do the part on the ballot. Watch them judges, too. Watch them judges, too. Because Antichrist stuff come from the judges. All right. So you got to be careful. So we have to be careful about things that worship the devil like Christ or a trick or treat. <laughs> right? We, we got to be careful celebrating the spirit of fear like we're supposed to celebrate the spirit of faith. We have to be careful because fear connects you with the devil like faith connects you with God. We got to be careful celebrating death like we should be celebrating resurrection life. With all your zombies and dead faces and skeletons and stuff. Celebrating stuff of death when we should be celebrating life. Decorating your house for Halloween like it should be decorated for Christmas. Now you got Halloween lights. Do you understand what I'm saying? We, we can't be, let's not us be drunk with the world. Got a definition. Go ahead, show my definition. What does it mean to haunt? <laughs> you say your house is haunted. To frequent, to resort much or often, or to be much about, to visit customarily, to come to frequently, to intrude on, to trouble with frequent visits, to follow in important, 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 I'm sorry, I can't say it. You can see the word. I'm just, I'm drawing a blank because I'm trying to be expeditious with time. All right, it means to come up when you're not even wanting them. That's what the word means. I'll, I'll be able to say it next week. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, to, to, it is particularly applied to specters or apparitions or ghosts or spirits without body, which are represented by fear um, and credulity as frequenting or inhabiting old, decayed, and deserted houses. Right. So when we say that's a haunted house. This church is haunted, but it's only haunted by the Holy Ghost in Jesus name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus frequents this place. All right. So either I'm making this house a place where Jesus wants to haunt and his spirit wants to dwell, or I'm making it a place where the devil wants to be. I can't have it be both. And if I'm not careful, 
in my zeal to evangelize a backslidden world, I will make my church more welcoming to the devil than it is to Christ. Behold, Jesus said to one of the churches, I stand outside of your church and I'm knocking. Hold it. Stop. Why does Jesus have to stand outside of a church and knock? Clearly, there was something in that that made him feel unwelcome. So I have to be careful that I don't let what God has given us be something where the devil is more comfortable being in here than Jesus is. I can't listen. You don't you don't want your house to be have stuff in it that makes the devil feel comfortable being in it. The scripture says that when a spirit is cast out, he goes into dry places. All right. And then he finds a home clean, swept and empty. And then he brings seven other devils and come back in it, making the last day worse than the first. So I want to make sure that every place I am, I'm like, welcome, Holy Spirit. Yeah, I want you to haunt my house. I want you to live here. I want you to be comfortable visiting my place. I don't want those other spirits to feel comfortable. I don't want a spirit of fear. Like we on a plane. I don't listen. I, I, I choose what movies I watch all the time. But when I'm on a plane, you will not get me to watch no scary movie and have my heart beating and racing on a plane. I just don't do it. OK. Why? Because if something go down, I want the spirit of the Lord coming to get Pastor David. I want no spirit. I can't have no faith because I've been I've been playing with the devil, with the spirit of fear. I can't even get God to come in and see me. <laughs> now y'all may not think y'all did. listen it's that serious fear is not something to be played with y'all the bible calls it a spirit and, and the bible tells you god has not given you the spirit of fear so if he didn't give it to you and you playing with it who's giving it to you I know kids, listen, I was a child too. I'd eat candy on any day. You give me some candy on Christmas, you give it to me on my birthday. It, it, you, you give it to me on any day. I understand kids want to play and, and have candy and all of that stuff, but we got to watch it, y'all. One of the things, right, we told you that Pharaoh was a type of the uh, Antichrist. Pharaoh said, you, your grown people can go, but just give me your kids. Your kids got to stay with me. So let's be careful that we're not letting the devil have our kids. Because we playing. Right? And there's all kind of Disney stuff that play with dead stuff too. Right? You know... We got to be careful because, see, some things, you look at the movie Venom, I'd be scared to take a child to that thing because that's a demon. You, he got a demon voice, and he possesses a person, and the eyes change colors. They're doing all of this stuff. Now, somebody going to come in and say, just like, 
just like the man came to Jesus, my son is lunatic. Lunar, moon. Lunatic says at night, under moonlight, under a full moon, they become a certain way. And Church of Satan people say, well, at least we get Christians to worship the devil one night a year. Okay, all righty. <laughs> Did you get something out of this today? Yeah.